Hello, and welcome to this PrimeMed podcast. Today, we're focusing on documentation. I am your host, Dr. Marion Montague. I am a board-certified family nurse practitioner. I've been practicing as a nurse and a nurse practitioner for over 12 years. My experience includes practicing both inpatient and outpatient as a clinician. It has truly been my passion to work on practice transformation, to optimize how we provide care. I enjoy mentoring clinicians, helping to teach them the importance of advocating for themselves and creating a space where they feel they can truly provide the type of care for their patients that they truly desire. Sometimes that's easier said than done. But I personally have learned the value of taking care of myself first so that I can take care of others. I have found as a clinician, our practices are always changing. We need to always advocate for ourselves so that we can grow and develop in a healthy way. So I've taken the time to develop this podcast, especially for PrimeMed members, focusing on how we as clinicians should take care of ourselves first so that we can take care of others. This episode, I wanted to talk about one of the things that affects us as clinicians, specifically the things that contribute most to clinician burnout. We'll focus this episode truly on documentation and offer some pointers to help. We often hear about physician burnout, but how prevalent is it really? It has been found that approximately 50 to 80% of physicians experience burnout. This is a huge percentage. How often do we stop and think about what is contributing to this? One of the number one drivers for burnout today is documentation. It's interesting that this is one of the big contributors because in school, we spend a larger time on documentation, learning what proper documentation is, where we're supposed to document, when we're supposed to document, we learn about all those things. How many times have you also been told as a provider, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen? While we understand the importance of documentation, we also know that we should be mindful not to double document. Well, this can be challenging because we don't always see all the different areas we're documenting. We know the key components that should be included in our documentation, but how do we apply this? One tip I have always talked to students about is when you think about your documentation and you see a patient and you're figuring out, what am I going to document on this specific patient? A trick is to think of it in this phrase. Think of it in this manner that I'm seeing this patient today, but what if something happens to me tomorrow? Is somebody going to be able to pick up where I left off from reading my note? So you want to write in a way that somebody can pick off exactly where you left off and know the plans you had for next steps for this patient. Well, since 2009 and the Affordable Care Act, we have to be very mindful about inadvertent double documentation. So inadvertent W documentation can happen because of these EHRs, EMRs that have been created to hopefully make patient care better. But in reality, the implementation of EHR systems have truly caused a significant burden on providers. 
So the way our EHR systems are set up, they're designed to help us ensure we are meeting our quality measures and making sure that we address care gaps and potential care gaps. A way that double documentation may happen is we mark off a screen in one section of the documentation that something is complete. Then we document that the same screening was completed in our note. In reality, it's technically double documentation. And where is the potential for error there? So the potential could be because we might have misdocumented something because we're humans and we're transposing something. Well, a tip that I have found to be helpful to work specifically in this setting is setting up templates. This can be helpful so that we have a standard format. This can ensure that we not only don't miss components, but also we pull in necessary information. I'll give you an example. I'm documenting on Jane Doe. I'm documenting that she had her tetanus shot today. Well, what happens at her next visit? She comes in for her physical, and if I were to look back and try to remember the date, I might document an error. And so the double documentation could be inaccurate because one could say she had it on the 10th and one could say she had it on the 1st. And so that could be a problem. But if instead I documented in the vaccine section and used the template to pull in her vaccines for her wellness visit, it would help reduce the risk of manually inputting the incorrect date and also reduce double documentation. The reality is we know the foundations of documentation, but how many times are we offered supportive tools and resources that help with supporting efficient and effective documentation? Things are constantly changing in our electronic medical record systems. They go through frequent updates. I can't tell you how many times I log into my computer when I get to work and I notice a new update with the EMR but I don't have time to sit there and review that. Sometimes it requires me to take a quiz or to go on a search or to watch a quick video. But really, I need to get into my system so I can review my patient's chart so that I can see the patient who's here. We aren't given the time to review all the information for each update. But if we did have the time, would that information help us? I think it would. It would help us to be more efficient in our documentation. It would help us to be more efficient in the use of the EMR system. A tool some organizations have is super users. Sometimes this can be so helpful because instead of having to review those videos or review a job aid, it would be somebody coming to work arm to arm to support you. So I encourage you, reach out to your informatics team. See what's available to you. See what support they have for clinicians and what you can take back and use as a resource. So I encourage you to always check for resources that could potentially be available to you to make you more efficient in clinic. We know that clinicians spend a lot of time on their documentation. Have you ever wondered how much time you personally are spending on average for documentation? Well, I was shocked to learn that it is estimated that the majority of providers spend one-third of their time documenting. If only we could be in an environment where we could spend more time with patients and not have to be clicking away at the keys. This challenge has not gone unnoticed. 
The American Medical Association and Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services have spent time to work on advocating for policy change to help impact the efficiency of providers through proposing changes for documentation. Through the work that clinicians and policymakers did, it led to the changes in the billing code requirements as of 2021. The changes took place effective in 2021, but there were delays in adapting these changes. Well, I can't imagine why. Let's take a moment and think about this. Why in the world could there have been a delay? What were some of the potential barriers? Well, think about it. In 2021, in the height of the pandemic, in primary care, providers were fighting COVID. In our world, we were fighting COVID. Every clinician had to adapt their practice. We were worried about what was the new strand? What are the vaccines? What are the treatments? What are we doing with our workforce? What can we do for, to help patients prevent getting COVID? While also adapting how we practice, how we brought patients into a clinic, how we did telehealth. What platform were we using? Doximity, were we using Zoom? Did our EHR system have an embedded platform that we could use? These were all things that we were focused on more than reviewing the updated billing codes. But I say that to say organizations and systems could have supported clinicians a little bit more in the implementation of the changing of the billing codes. In my organization, I was fortunate. We had a billing team that did a lunchtime Zoom seminar. Well, having to work through lunch doesn't really lead to reduction in burnout, but this course was in place to help us know the tips and tricks and what the new changes were and what the new requirements were and what could be eliminated from these billing codes. Along came with it a PowerPoint that we were able to take home and review. I'm grateful for this resource, but the resource that we really truly were limited on was time. Everybody didn't have the needed time to get on board with the changes, hence the delays in adaptation. So if the average is that clinicians are spending one-third of their time on documentation, how much time is that really? Have you ever wanted to know how much time you are spending? Many EHR systems such as Epic or Athena or, you know, Cerner or Meditech, there's so many of them I could list, but they all have reports and features built in. So Epic, for example, has a feature called Active Time. You can also break it down to assessing how much time during your scheduled hours and how much time out of your scheduled hour. Sometimes it's referred to pajama time. When someone first told me about this feature, I was very hesitant to run this report. I thought to myself, why in the world would I want to know how much time I'm actually working? I'm salary. I'm not hourly. This information would just make me frustrated. Well, yes, that is absolutely true. But let me give you a tip. This report can be used as a tool. One day, what I did is I gathered my time in the medical record report, the number of scheduled patients I typically have, as well as the assigned administrative time I had. I took this information compiled in a nice Excel spreadsheet, and I went to my leadership team and advocated for myself. 
I advocated for more administrative time and more time with patients so that my documentation could be completed within the time frame of a visit. It wasn't an easy conversation, but I was able to show quantitative data to support my request. While you may try this tidbit and have a similar conversation than I did, don't get discouraged. These things are a process. But remember, you have to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. You have to have these uncomfortable conversations. Sometimes it is easy, and sometimes it can be a hint that you might need to find a situation that works better for you. As you advocate, I challenge you to know your worth. Truly, we don't look at the value we bring to the table often. We need to know our individual worth. Epic also runs a report where you can see your individual RVUs as well as your team's RVUs. It helps you know if you are pulling your weight. And it also shows if you're pulling more than your weight. It's interesting. Recently, I was speaking with a new graduate nurse practitioner. She asked me about her salary and if I thought it was enough for the job she has been doing. She quickly told me that she started off at a lower rate and was making less than she thought was appropriate and less than her colleagues. She realized she was doing more work than some of her colleagues. She had a report run from the EMR system to assess her worth, and she then went to her boss and said, I don't think I'm being paid fairly, and here is why. She had the data. Without a question, they bumped her up $10 an hour. If she didn't use her EHR to find the documentation, would she have been sought out by her employer to make things right, to make things equitable for her? This is why it is so important for you to know your worth and always advocate for yourself. You know, we often think about things that we do and how can we provide the best care and how can we do this? But if we don't care for the individual first, it's like the mentality in the plane. If we don't put our mask on first, how are we going to be able to help our neighbor on the plane? Another tool or resource we don't always think of is scribes. When it comes to documentation, studies have shown that scribes help improve efficiency if used correctly. The use of scribes can improve efficiency And I've personally have had the opportunity to work with the scribe, and it helped me to be able to spend more time with my patients and completing my documentation quicker. But the mere fact of having just a scribe assigned to you doesn't mean that it's more efficient. It is important that when you work with a scribe to make your day more efficient, it is to sit with the scribe at the end of each session, review the notes, give them feedback, and they can correct things in real time. In these scenarios, they may amend or refresh things and then assign the note to you for review. It can help expedite things. I have found that my best scribes are the ones who also took the time to pre-chart. So it kind of helped them know what was going on when they were with the patient before even going into the room. They were aware of quality gaps that I might bring up. They were aware of the different quality measures that we discussed. A scribe isn't helpful if you feel that you are duplicating the work. For example, you complete the visit, you realize the scribe didn't capture the information in real time, 
If you don't invest the few minutes at the end of the session to review the notes, you may find out it ends up taking you hours later if your scribe wasn't really effective. So as medicine is always changing, our technology is constantly evolving. This is an area where artificial intelligence is now being used. I see advertisements for it all the time. I haven't personally tried it. I know the technology is still changing, but I have friends who use it in their practice and have found it to reduce their time to even down from 15 to two minutes for a given note with the use of AI. Another tool that we don't always think about is dictation. This can also help improve efficiency. I'm stubborn and I come from the philosophy that I'm a very good typer and I think and I give 100% credit to my keyboard classroom teacher who used to cover my keyboard with a mask so that I could type. I didn't see the value in it then, but then... In practice, I've seen how important it is where I can bring a computer in and type and pay attention to my patient and not have to look at my keys. So I thought automatically when I had switched over to full spectrum family health and I was seeing more patients than I typically was in my previous practice that I didn't need dictation. I had two fellow APPs who always told me, Marion, just dictate, just dictate in between patients. And I was like, no, I'm a good typer. I'm a good typer. I'm fast. Well, after about a year, I finally gave it a try. And sure enough, when you dictate, it speeds things along, especially when you set up your dictation mic so that you can move through your notes fluidly. These are all tips that you can learn. And sometimes in some practices and some organizations, they have support from informatics where they can help you get these things set up. While we know documentation takes up a significant amount of our time, it is a necessary tool. But we have things like scribes and dictation that can be used to help us being not only effective, but efficient. I think about other tools that can be used to help reduce the documentation burden and can lead to less burnout. This is our electronic health records. Paperwork can be so cumbersome. As clinicians, we have to always evaluate what we are doing. We do this not only with how we practice and go to seminars and conferences to keep up to date with clinical practice guidelines and management, but we also do this with how we evaluate how we provide the care in our clinics. But we also need to look at things, analyze it and adjust it, and make sure that we're always being effective and efficient. We have to be mindful to not automate waste. What do I mean by that? If we did it on paper for the past 10 years, it doesn't mean making it electronic makes it any more efficient. What do I mean by this? Specifically, I can give you an example. So you know when you go into an office and you're given a handful of papers, you get this clipboard and you're like, where do I start? Then they call you back to the room and you're still filling it out. If we just put that in the computer, it doesn't mean that it's efficient and go to typing it. Because then what it means is we use staff to transcribe that, and that wastes staff's time. 
not only providers' time, but also our staff's. So now, if we think about that stack of papers that usually is there, it's authorization to treat, it's consent forms, screenings, questionnaires. How could we make that more efficient? Well, many organizations utilize their portals heavily. Those things can be sent out prior to a patient even coming to the office. They can be signed electronically. And how it can be more efficient is if the patient fills out all the forms, as well as the screening, like the PHQ-9 or a pain scale or GAD-7, this can all be imported into a note. Those screenings can be pulled in through the provider's template. So always remember, don't automate waste. Just because it's done on paper and it's not efficient doesn't mean putting it in the computer makes it efficient. Find solutions that can help reduce burden on staff and providers and optimize the patient's experience. This in itself will reduce clinician burnout. Another key component in with our EHR is to utilize the reports that come with your EHR. We've talked about how you can do this report to help advocate for yourself, but another way to do this is with panel management. An example of how EHRs can be used to help with panel management is you can run reports on all patients with diabetes. Then you create a template for the report so that you can show when was their last A1C, when was their last set of routine labs, when was their last visit, when was their last eye exam, etc. But the most important thing is to realize those reports can help improve quality measures, but also improve patient outcomes. Many EHRs have this capability, and then you can follow up with bulk messages to get those patients in and get them cared for. The use for the reports doesn't only have to have the opportunity to make things more efficient, but it can also improve those patient outcomes and address quality measures. While we know the EHR can help us with practice management, including forms, reports, panel management, there can also be challenges with EHRs. A challenge we face is ineffective onboarding. This can cause ineffective and inefficient practice. You might wonder, what does onboarding have to do with this? Think of it this way. If you are only given keys to your car and never taught how to drive it, or turn on the lights, turn on the windshield wipers, or told where to even put the gas in, how far will you actually get? But if you are thoroughly trained on your car and given the necessary tools, like a GPS, you can travel great lengths. The same goes for being trained on your EHR and being given the tools and resources to effectively use it. If you have thorough training, it really can improve your ability to utilize the EHR. If you are given only enough tools to just use the system, it impacts your ability to be efficient. It is important that you are able to not only be effective, but to be able to be efficient. In my personal experience, one organization, when I started, met with the informatics person. I was given my logins and was told to check in if, if I had anything I needed. I began seeing patients the following day. While I was able to be effective and do my job, I wasn't afforded the resources to be efficient, and I had to learn as I practiced. I compared this to another organization where I worked. 
where I started and I was given formal standardized training on the EHR with practice scenarios, benchmarks, and that was needed to be achieved prior to seeing patients and was given test scenarios and test system so I could utilize fake patients to accomplish these goals. If not given the best onboarding, you'll never know what you don't know. And oftentimes this will lead to you being effective in your work, but less efficient. When we think of training, I look back to the case of the 2021 billing update that was talked about earlier. In cases like that, it would have been beneficial for organizations to spend a few hours with providers teaching them the updates and providing them with examples and then doing an audit of their work to give them pointed pointers that could help them be more effective with the new guidelines. While I was fortunate we had the lunchtime Zoom, we still didn't have extra time given to adapt. So before we finish today, I would like to do a short recap. I would like to express how we talk about trials that come along with documentation. This is important as we know that one of the number one causes that leads to burnout is when we struggle with our documentation. We need to remember, don't automate waste. Utilize your tools, scribes, dictation, templates. Take the time to learn your EHR. Set up templates, set up smart phrases. Check your resources. And then most importantly, always advocate for yourself. Advocate for proper onboarding, advocate for your time with your patients, advocate for yourself, and always know your worth. While we work to put ourselves in a place where we can take care of ourselves so that we can give quality care and take care of others, we have to remember, while documentation can be the key to burnout, documentation can be our platform for self-advocacy and advocating and optimizing patient care. This concludes our talk today. Thank you so much for listening to this Prime Med podcast.